Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on whatever platform you're listening on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, please be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or an email. And you can find my Facebook on the show notes, or alternatively, email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. Um, as we've seen over the last couple of episodes, the we're currently doing some shorter episodes looking at the different models of magic and how we can kind of view them and how we can improve things and how we can use them to better understand how things work. In today's episode, we will be talking about the psychological model. As we've seen in the previous episodes, and if you haven't heard them, then uh, you know, I'd recommend going back and having a quick listen. We were discussing the spirit model of magic, where we were talking about separate entities to ourselves. Then we were also talking about the energetic view or model of magic in the sense of an energetic universe. So now in today's episode, we will be talking about a psychological model. So what is that? Well, in a nutshell, the psychological model of magic is basically the assumption that the mind of the magician is responsible for doing the work. Everything manifests from the consciousness of the magician. That's our state of mind that causes changes in the world. And by altering our beliefs, we can change things and make things manifest in our lives. In Shivaism, um, there's this concept of the world being an illusion or Maya and there's actually a mythology or a story that goes into talks about how Shiva went into a deep sleep and dreamt up the world and each person is now Shiva having a dream and waiting to be awakened to remember our own divinity and this is described quite well um, with regards to from Frater UD who uh, wrote a book called High Magic which is, is an excellent book highly recommend it and uh, well worth reading if you want to kind of find out more about some of these things. And I quote from him, The psychological model of magic does not purport to explain how magic works. Its only premise is that the subconscious, or as Carl Jung later retagged it, the unconscious, will do the job if it is properly addressed and or conditioned. This again is achieved by magical trance, suggestion and the use of symbols i.e. selective sensory input, as tools of association and as a means of communication between the magician's conscious will and his subconscious faculty responsible for putting it into effect. This is very closely related to the model of the psychological model is very closely related to the um, Sigmund Freud's theory of the unconscious where he talks about, you know, we've got all of these different triggers and things that are really kind of hidden within us and he says the following the interpretation of dreams is the royal road to a knowledge of the unconscious activities of the mind and Jung said the following until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you'll call it fate one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light but by making the darkness conscious so, you know, what they're talking about is our mind is really the one, the power that's in control of us, but there's also this subconscious power behind that. 
we are only partly in control of it, but we've got this deep guiding force. And through various magical techniques, mysticism, through meditation, through breathing techniques, through prayer, etc., we can essentially program that psychological force within us, which will then enable um, results to follow. So from a Freudian point of view, you would be going deep into that unconscious to kind of unlock these, um, you know, potential neuroses or things that have made you, that might make you act in a certain way now, but you're completely unconscious of it and you're not aware of it. Um, Alistair Crowley talks a bit about this and in some of his writing as well, although he did later suggest that Iras was a, a preternatural entity. Um, he talks about it in his publication of um, Matthew McGregor's um, Goetia, where he wrote a short essay called The Initiated Interpretation of Ceremonial Magic, in which he addresses the problem of the realities of the entities described in the grimoire. Um, one of the things he talks about is how you don't necessarily need to see the demons as existing outside and they can be seen as aspects of the human brain and as a result of certain invocations you stimulate parts of the brain and I think this is quite relevant in terms of what um, you know Lon Milo Duquette talks about this as well when he says uh, your brain is I can't remember the exact quote actually but um it's, it's, it's all to do with magic is is being done by your mind, but you have no idea how big your mind is. Something along those lines. But um, yeah, so it's a it's a one it's a view of looking at how we perform magic and how we kind of manifest things and how we can transform things. And I just wanted to quote from Crowley: If then I say with Solomon, the spirit Chimeras teaches logic. What I mean is those portions of my brain which subserve the logical faculty, may be stimulated and developed by following out the process called the invocation of chimeres. And this is a purely materialistic, rational statement. So what he's talking about there is um, obviously invocation of a particular spirit, but um, also saying that this is kind of unlocking a, a part of his brain that he was no long, he was not necessarily in contact with before. So very much within that viewpoint of the Freudian theory of the unconscious. This is something as well which I think um, is kind of touched on a little bit by Austin Osman Spare with his sigil system. So where he draws a sigil then forgets it and essentially kind of creates an artificial complex which then works in the same way as a sort of suppressed trauma. Um, there's a famous example of where he talks about the strength of a tiger um, so you would write a sigil, so you'd write, I desire the strength of a tiger, then you obviously remove some of the letters and turn that into a sigil, and then through a process of um, kind of magical trance, it could be dancing, could be, you know, other things, you can then kind of program that into your um, subconscious mind, and then it will enable you to have the effect, so that kind of tap into that hidden power behind. Um, this model's very popular with a lot of authors around that sort of time so you know Dion Fortune obviously was one of the first um, psychoanalysts out there uh, in the in the UK practicing um, so she was kind of heavily influenced by these types of ideas obviously also Israel Regardi who has also worked as a as an analyst and um, W.E. Butler and also William Gray they're all kind of quite influenced quite heavily by this sort of psychological 
model rather than the other models of like the energetic or the spirit model so yeah um and israel regardi also taught i just got a quick quote from him actually where he says magical work involves change and creation and the subject of the magician's work is the self the magician is the focus of his or own alchemical processes by adapting one's personal vision to reflect the microcosm we can change ourselves to better reflect those divine ideas we might alter our body appearance the chemical composition of our blood and the configuration of our nervous system we may tame the feral beasts that dwell within our organic structure by changing ourselves to resonate with the divine we may transmute every portion of ourselves and become as purified vessels for the eternal spirit and that's um, Israel Gardi. This model is also um, used quite heavily within chaos magic or, or, you know, by magicians that are more atheist or agnostics. So they don't kind of believe in concepts of gods or demons or angels, etc. So, you know, you can manifest things through almost like a, a mechanistic approach of tapping into the power, doing certain actions um, will follow, essentially. And... I think it also has some, potentially some crossovers with some bits of the law of attraction and the placebo effect. So it's kind of stripping away this um, religious belief aspect of some of the more traditional approaches to magical theory. For instance, you know, the grimoires where there'll be lots of prayer and lots of prostrating in front of, you know, the cross, etc., um, and it's much more kind of looking at, at magic from a point of view of this is a formula and if we do A, then B will follow. So yeah, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks very much for joining us on the Ocal London podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If anyone has any questions for me, then please reach out via Facebook or an email as I'd love to answer them. My email is ocalondonpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we really want to develop this further, so if you appreciate it, if you could rate the show or leave a review on iTunes or any other platform, this will mean more people can see it and hopefully get some value from it. Also, please be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Thanks very much and speak to you all soon. Celestial rhythms, starlight threads.